MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hi, how you doing? So Father's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, and, uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to be talking to one of my favorite dads. It's not my dad, but he is a dad. He's got his—he's got three daughters, and he's also the father of Barrelcraft Spirits. Joe Beatrice, our old pal, is going to be joining. And we're going to be talking about some of the most famous and infamous TV and movie dads of all time. You're not going to want to miss that. It's a lot of fun. How about last night? You might have noticed Daddy acting a little strange, and you probably don't understand why. I understand why. You were wasted. I admit it. I didn't know when to say when. Speaking about famous dads, there's a documentary dropping this week about Arnold Schwarzenegger on Netflix. And if you've been following the news at all, I guess one of the big reveals in the documentary is, uh, or the, the big moments in the documentary, I should say, is that Arnold talks about the time he had an affair with his maid, Mildred Baina, and father to son named Joseph, who's a 25-year-old now. And he talks about the time he had to own up and cop to the fact that he impregnated his maid to his wife, Maria Shriver. And uh, I was looking at a thing here on People Magazine, and I guess they were in counseling when he, this is when he was the governor, and in one of the sessions, the counselor said that Maria wanted to ask him a very specific question, and that question was, are you Joseph's dad? Schwarzenegger said he thought his heart stopped, and he told the truth. This was an affair back in 1996. Wow. Bombshell. It made me think of the time that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger dropped by the What We're Drinking Lounge. Regular listeners know we have a lounge here. At WWD headquarters, our bartender Lloyd runs the place. And I feel like with with this, you know, this is a big week, Arnold news. And, you know, let's 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 take a look back to the time when uh, when he was here. A little slow tonight, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What let be? Mr. Schwarzenegger, lovely to see you again. Who the fuck are you? Why, I'm Lloyd, the bartender. What can I get you? Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Well, we don't serve drugs here, sir. What are you, my father? How about I fix you a nice cocktail instead? How have you been, Mr. Schwarzenegger? My nipples are very sensitive. Oh, well, that sounds uncomfortable. Any idea what's causing the... Irritation? It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. I should hope not. Here's a drink, sir. Well, that hit the spot. 
Glad you enjoyed it, Mr. S. I've got a little extra here in the tin. Here you go. Take it back! Oh, you're taking it easy tonight, I see. You should not drink and bake. You're planning to do some baking? What are you, my father? I apologize for prying. <laughs> Anything else I can get you? All right, enough philosophy. I better get going. It's always wonderful to see you, Mr. Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. I look forward to your return. Who the fuck are you? I'm Lloyd, the bartender. I'll be back. Yes, sir. <laughs> you have a wonderful rest of the evening, sir. My nipples are very sensitive. I do hope you get that cleared up. Hasta la vista, baby. Take care. Now that's entertainment, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I invite you to follow me at the Imbiber on Instagram. The podcast is at WWD underscore podcast. I'm going to be going to Denver June 25th. I'll be emceeing the Whiskey X in Denver at the Wings Over the Rockies Museum. It's a planes and planes and space shuttles and things. A really, really cool venue. There will be about 60 to 70 whiskeys there pouring. You can drink, learn all you want to learn all there is to know about whiskey. And you can say hi to me if you happen to be there. So go to the Whiskey X dot com for tickets to that what else we got uh before we get to joe beatrice i'll let you know like next week's show i i just got back i went up to uh, paso robles for the firestone walker invitational beer fest my good buddy rick mccarthy went with me and we boy did we have a lot of great beer up there it, what a what an awesome awesome fun event it was um was one weird thing that happened up there in Paso. I figured I'd share it. So went out one night and it was with uh, Rick and another friend of ours. And we got hungry around 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And we went, we were in this bar restaurant and I guess they were close to closing. And, and I get that. I understand as a server, the last thing you want is a group coming in right before you're about to check out on a weekend night. But we were hungry and the place was still open. So the waitress informed her us. At first she said the kitchen was closed, but then she said it wasn't closed, but we could only get fish and chips. We were famished. So we said, sure, three orders of fish and chips, please. And she brought up some waters and dropped them on the table and just was very quickly turning around to walk away and said, excuse me, can I get a, can I get a beer in 805? Since uh, it was a Firestone Walker thing, I wanted to support the brand with their most famous beer. And she said, I'm not comfortable serving you. Now, keep in mind, we'd had no interaction. <laughs> Nothing happened. I didn't stumble into the bar, stagger in. Everything was, was clear-headed. Uh, excuse me? She said, I'm not comfortable serving you. Serving me beer. Why? I'm just not. Do I seem drunk to you? <laughs> What's happening here right now? I mean, did something happen that I missed? She said, no, I just feel like I'm not comfortable right now. And I was incredulous because I was not <laughs> wasted or anything like that. And I, and then she, then it got worse. She said, well, okay, maybe I'll give you one beer 
but that's it. And I said, why? What time does the bar close? They were, they stopped serving food, but the bar was going to remain open for several more hours. This is nine o'clock at night. And she said, well, uh, maybe I'll see how you do after that one beer and then I'll decide. <laughs> now keep in mind, nothing happened. I know what it's, I, trust me, I've been the guy that's gone in and you probably shouldn't be serving me, but this was not the case. And uh, we up and left. That's right. I'm not going to take that kind of bunk. We left and went to a wonderful steak place up there called Hemingway's and spent three times as much money as, oh, you know what that place, I don't even care, I'll call them out, Patty McGuire's, that was the name of the place where the woman decided that I, she wasn't comfortable. And this also raised the whole thing because the way she worded it, it wasn't like, I, I think you're drunk and I'm not going to serve you. She said, she's not comfortable. And there's really no way to question that. I, the, how do you gauge someone's level of comfort? And the last thing I want to do is, is poke that. You know, that bear is like uh, what's me because it would only make her more uncomfortable, I imagine. So I didn't want to do that. And the last thing I want to do is make anybody uncomfortable. I just wanted a beer. Very strange. So I'm going to tell you this right now. If you go up there, I, I say don't go to that place. Don't go to Patty McGuire's. Weirdos. No, that's not true, though, because I I also went there another time on the trip and I had a great time at the little speakeasy in the back. And the bar was awesome. And the guy named Brandon was the bartender and he was fantastic. But in the other side of the bar, we got miscut you off before I've even had a chance to even speak to you. Huh. Anyway, there's my little rant for today, and uh, I uh, apologize for venting. Summer is upon us, friends, and summer is the time for sipping on cold, refreshing cocktails made with the best ingredients. If I've said it once, I've said it a gajillion times. You can buy the best spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home, but if you use crap mixers, you're going to get crap drinks. That's why I am all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of master mixologists into your home. They feature a bunch of unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste, none. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a summertime special exclusively for you, dear listener. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20. That's Fresh Victor, FVDAN20. To get 20% off your order. Now's the time to bust out the bikinis and bathing suits and to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Some of my favorite summertime cocktails are whiskey-based. The mint julep, a gold rush, a paper plane. And the whiskey I turn to as the base in those cocktails is Rabbit Hole. They make bourbon and rye in extremely small batches at their wonderful distillery in Louisville, Kentucky. Rabbit Hole's recipes are totally unique and were created by their founder, Bourbon Hall of Famer Cave Zamanian, who spares no expense in making great whiskey. Cave and his team have their own cooking methods and use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter, and they use barrels that are toasted, charred, and wood-fired, which almost nobody else in the business does. Trust me on this. What you end up with is a line of bourbon and rye with these really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. The forecast for this summer is hot, 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 and I, for one, plan and to cool down with some refreshing cocktails made with rabbit hole. Please, my friends, come join me. 
I'm Caitlin Bristow from The Bachelorette, and I have one question for Dan Dunn, and that is, will you accept this rosé? Is this a first impression rosé? Sure, but it's definitely not the last. Joining me now, one of our favorite guests on this program. He's been on numerous times, and with good reason, because he makes some of the best whiskey in the world, and you know I love my whiskey. He is the founder of Barrel Craft Spirits, Joe Beatrice. Joe, how you doing, man? Awesome. How are you today? It's great to see you. I want to jump right in. We got we got lots to talk about here. First of all, we got Father's Day coming up in a couple of weeks. It's a big holiday. You you are a father yourself, is that correct? Yep. You have three daughters. You have three daughters. Wonderful. Congratulations and happy Father's Day in advance to you, Joe. And let me say this to everybody listening. You cannot go wrong if your father is a whiskey fan by giving them a barrel or a barrel, excuse me, a barrel, a bottle or two, or get them a barrel. What the hell? Go all out. Get them a bottle or two of, of or three of, of barrel. It's one of the most awarded whiskeys out there. I love it. I've been a fan from the very first sip I ever had. And now, Joe, from the horse's mouth, if you want, if someone out there wants to impress dad on Father's Day, what should they get them? Any of the three barrel gray label products. Why is that? So the gray label products are the are sort of the, the level up from our ongoing releases. Uh, and what really differentiated the those uh, products are tend to be they tend to be older. Some of them are age statement, most of them are age statement, some are not. Um, but there's a greater concentration of older one. That one I was holding up was um, gray label seagrass, which is a 16-year-old. And it's it, it's we're blending some of our more um, rare barrels we have. Um, so these are ones that we've hunted down, and they have some interesting uh, history, dimension, or you know flavor profile. And so we use these to blend. So the, so ultimately, you know anything like that obviously costs more. So we try to reserve that and put a larger majority of those barrels in these. Products. What's a bo- what's a bottle of seagrass going to set someone back? It's somewhere between one fifty and two fifty, okay. um, depends on the state and the retailer. But it's the it's somewhere in that range, probably on average two hundred. But you can find it. It's a special gift for dad, is what you're saying. If you yeah, you, sure. you dad get you get your dad that bottle, and he likes whiskey, he's going to be happy. And I and I can attest. I have seagrass here, and I love it. Now, what's the what's the next one we're going to do? What's the you got the seagrass? What's the next one you would do? I would say dovetail seagrass or bourbon. I think those are probably your best choice. The, those are ones I would look at. Also, you know, you could look at Vantage, which was our new release last year. What about Arm- Armida? Armida is, um, it's a, it, it is a, that is a perfectly great choice as well. One of the things that's particularly that I love about this product is the, it's the pear eau de vie that we have finished the bourbon in. It's it's this really incredible essence of pear that that comes through in this in this blend. Well, that, that's one of the ones that I've I've personally taken a real shine to because I I especially this time of year it's getting warm. There's a, there's a real a tropical flair to that, and you mentioned it. It's you know it's it's coming from the from the uh, the, the pear brandy for, uh, that's coming through there. But I, that one to me feels like a really great. Uh, summertime, 
expression. It's won a ton of awards. You know, uh, enthusiasts gave it 95 points. Best barrel finish at the LA Spirits Award back in 22. I, I mean, you know, and this this is the case with a lot of your whiskeys. But I mean, that's that's one that I think could be sort of an out of a, um, you know, one that you, we we haven't talked about that much on on the program yeah. with you, so I, I like that one. And and then also, what about this um, the vatted malt? Um, vatted malt is um, it was a product we produced a few years ago, um, and it was really. Can you get it? Because I like that one too. I got that here. I got a bottle yeah. of that. You can... yeah. It's it's still around. Um, we're not emphasizing that as much anymore. I mean, there's um, it's it's more we're really more sticking to the bourbons and the rise. And whiskeys. Um, it was it. That's obviously whiskey. Um, it's something that we really played around with and loved because we just we love American malt and wanted to do sort of a tribute to it. The new another one is our, our rye. Um, we're doing a line of rye private releases. These are these are ryes that are finished. Um, you know, not to like jump ahead, but we got all kinds of things coming out um, this year. We have some finished a couple of different finished bourbons. That I think are going to be. Um, we're it's still, coming coming out in 2023. Yeah, 2023. All we're right. playing around with that, and um, I think we may have a small limited release of a batch of rye. Um, we, we've been playing around with something that we just like so much. We thought we'd leave it alone and put it in a bottle. Just a single batch of rye. Okay. And and you mentioned but, to me off the air earlier that you got some stuff going on at the uh, at the Rick House. What's what's happening? What's the big news? Well, I think I think we probably mentioned this um, last year. We bought uh, this historic Rick House in Shively. It was on the grounds of a pre-prohibition distillery. Yellowstone distillery was there. It's real. It's in Jefferson County, so it's 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 really surprisingly close. Um, and uh, we're we're going to keep some of our barrels there. We're moving them. We're moving them around constantly. Uh, but we're also going to open it up to a couple of other um, companies that if they want to source some barrels here, we will let them do that. Um, it means a lot, there's so much going on. And then with our new facility, which it's almost done. It is. Um, it has been just uh, agonizing, sweating the details, getting everything right, getting it ready. And that's going to probably open. <clears throat> we're going to probably move in a little later this summer. I think we're going to do an opening in September and uh, you know, Heritage Month. And um, and so we're also going to take on contract bottling from a, in a small group of producers um so there's a lot happening a lot going on to, Busy summer. to yeah. refresh when yeah. was the first release of barrel how many years ago wow it's almost like i you gave me a softball here i know it's heated up for you yeah, this, this is our 10 year anniversary oh wow <laughs> look at that gee you didn't think i did my homework did you uh <laughs> no it, and that's it's just a really amazing to see how far this brand has come in a decade. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years. I can't even believe it. It's been so unbelievably fast. It's amazing. Looking back, reflecting on the, the past decade, has this exceeded your expectations or are you exactly where you thought you'd be? I wish I could say it's exactly where I thought I'd be. Um, but we've had we've had really great growth and you know made a, a few good moves and um, you know, we're really happy with where we are. Um, you know, it's really funny. Let me let me do it like a quick 30 second digression here. And I, I don't know wh- why I was thinking about that this this weekend. I was thinking about just sort of like how far we've come. And when you when you see our facility, it, it's it's a pretty 
I don't know. To me, I, and I, I know this may sound not humble, but it's pretty impressive. I just I'm, I'm awed by what is there, like the the the, the steel, the tanks, the volumes, <laughs> the equipment, the volume equipment. You know, the the way that we've designed it just all really feels so good. But I was thinking about um, about right when we first started, and Trip and I were doing some blending and bottling. In, it was in the middle of dead of winter. It was it was it was this winter here where it was um, like ten below. It was freezing, and the the place where bottling lost their heat. And so you know you have to bottle at a constant temperature so that you know like sixty five degrees, seventy degrees, because you the temperature when you bottle affects the volume of the alcohol. So we were I'm like trip. What are we gonna do here? And so we're, we're standing there and we look and this guy has in his facility a small water heater. So Trip MacGyvered this whole thing. I couldn't believe this. He grabbed some copper coils, took the top off of a barrel, put the coils in the barrel. We ran the liquid into the barrel. This is how slow we we're bottling at the time. Okay. And the, then he hijacked the city water to push through the coil running through the heater so that he kept the heat in the coil at a constant temperature and we could only bottle it like at a certain rate so that the liquid would come to temperature and we'd keep it there and then we bottle it then we'd put we'd slowly put more in and i was thinking about <laughs> i was thinking about that and how what a difference it is well, how far when, you've come and by the way so everybody knows he's uh, joe's talking about trip stimson who is the your chief whiskey scientist chief who runs yeah. the distillery been with you from the beginning you touch on this, like looking back on 10 years and we, and we mentioned father's days coming up. I got to imagine as it, as the father of, of three girls, this has got to feel good because this is real. You've built something that's a legacy. That's something you can pass on. That's, do you think about it in those terms? Like this is a business that can, that can live, you know, not to get morbid, but long after you're gone, this thing that you built, is that, that's got to make you feel really proud, right? And scared that you're going to be gone someday. I'm bringing up your imminent death. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, I have. Um, you got at well, least 40 years left. I'm telling you that right yeah, now. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know if he knows, but my wife started this with me. And two of my three daughters now are are active in the company. And the third one was in the company. And now she's she's just finished her master's program. She's getting a PhD. So she's. She's out of our business right now, but but they've all been intimately involved. I mean, in a lot of ways, this is a. I, mean, I see a lot of parallels with Succession here. Yeah, what are we talking? Yeah, that <laughs> that show just wrapped recently, and that, and that sort of brings us. And that's like you teed the softball up for me, Joe. Uh, I want to talk to you because about. We got to talking off the air about these shows and Succession, which obviously Logan Roy was the patriarch of that family. And and there's all sorts of, you know, not necessarily the best dad. And I don't want to give any spoilers out in case people didn't see the final episode. But long or what happened this season. But Logan Roy is not going to be father of the year, right? Would you you would agree with that? I would agree with that. Okay. But. But boy, the ride's fun. It was so much <laughs> fun. Now, in honor of Father's Day, I, I I want to talk to you, Joe, about fictional television and movie dads. Who do you think? We'll go back and forth here. Let's start with a good one. Who's a, in your opinion, who is one of the best TV or movie dads of all time? That question is 
one of the easiest ones for me. Okay. Uh, I mean, and, you know, aside from sort of thinking about the other ones, but to me, Clark Griswold. From Vacation. From, yeah, from all the National Lampoon movies. He's got to be the best, the best one all around. I mean, he's just, he's just lives with his kids and, and just wants to make a good life for everybody around him. He is, he's, I think he's number one. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think Clark Griswold is a, is an excellent, uh, as portrayed by the great <laughs> Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. That's right. Um, and you have a favorite vacation, uh, film or do you like them all? I think Christmas. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go on a little bit different here, but a great dad. <laughs> One Mr. Brian Mills, a.k.a. Liam Neeson in Taken. I didn't even think of that one. That's a hey, really good they one. take his daughter. And what does he say? I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. <laughs> Your throat chops are coming. That's all, you know, that's the kind of dad you want, man. Somebody, yeah, somebody takes you. He's coming. He's take- it's helpful to have a certain set, a set of skills, though. That's really helpful. He does have that set of skills. Um, okay, <laughs> let's go to let's go to a bad one. Let me hear. Let me hear one of your worst dads. I don't know. Great Santini, Bull Meacham. He's got to be the. He's got to be the absolute worst one. That's Robert time. Duvall. Up there, Robert Duvall. Yeah. Oh yeah, be. that one. That one's. Boy, who is who played the son in that? Wasn't it? The- uh, Guy from Caddyshack, wasn't he the? He, that great Santini reminds me. Well, very similar is uh, De Niro, right? In uh, This Boy's Life, which was based on Tobias Wolf's real life. Uh, that was Dwight Hansen. That was his name, and he very much like the great Santini, very emotionally, physically abusive. Uh, I'm going to give you that. Now I'm going to now I'm going to also pivot here and go more in the comedic route. But still, an awful dad, George Bluth Sr., <laughs> aka Jeffrey Tambor, arrested development. What do you think? It was between those two. Oh, you, really? Were you I, thinking that I, too? I, I, oh, oh, he's oh, he's the best. He's the best. He would he would do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was his lasting gift with it? The, the cornballer. Hey, the cornballer. Thought these things were only legal in Mexico. In fact, the cornballer wasn't legal anywhere, but George Sr. continued to market it there successfully. <laughs> I mean, come on. So George, you go, so Bull Meacham from the Great Santini, which he was a fighter pilot, right? Wasn't that it? And he, uh, he was a military guy. Marine, Marine yeah. yeah. That's too serious. You know, that's too serious. Okay. But that's not, you're right. You're absolutely right on a, on a bad one. Any other Terrible TV or movie dads you can think of? Marty Bride, Ozark. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's right. Jason, he's pretty. Bateman he's did. pretty evil. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Although there's something inherently likable about Jason Bateman to me, so I yep. can't fully, I can't fully embrace his badness. I think 
somewhere in the heart of that character, he did genuinely care about his family. I, you're right, but there's but there's a there are moments when he's just so awful. That's a good point. All right, I'm going to go and I'm going to go the comedy route again. Awful dads. How about Frank Reynolds, played by Danny DeVito on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Come on, I mean, up there. that's got to be up there. And uh, ooh, are you a Game of Thrones guy? Yeah, but I can't remember. Anybody, I can't remember anybody's name. That's the problem with that. Lannister, but, the old man. Yeah, Lannister. Oh, 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 I mean, look at his kids. They're sleeping with each other. You get it's a mess. That guy, he's got to go down as one of the worst of all time. All right. Well, that's a show just about family values in general. <laughs> or lack thereof. I <laughs> do. What about? All right. Let me give you one here that could be in. This one's going to be a gray area, and I want to get your thoughts on it. It's, we're going old school here, Joe. Archie Bunker, good dad, bad dad. I don't know. I don't really think so. I don't think a lot about his relationship with his daughter. I mean, okay. I don't know. That's right. that's a uh, jury's out on that one for me. I don't know which way to go. Okay, here's another one. It's hard. It's hard because he's not. He's not that. Okay. Likeable. <laughs> good dad, bad dad. Ready? Yeah. Darth Vader. I don't know. I know the easy answer is bad, but he was offering Luke. They could rule the universe together. That's say like, yeah, what, what dad offers that out there. You know, the guy on Succession was like, nah, Logan Roy was never letting his kids anywhere near the reins of power. Darth Vader's like, just join me, embrace the dark side, and you're running the friggin' universe. Yeah, I'm kind of coming out of the same place. That's where I was going with I think, yeah, I mean, that's immortality. I mean, come on. So that's ultimate succession. Here's yeah. another one. Al Bundy. Good dad, bad dad. Married with children. I think he's pretty bad. <laughs> really? Oh, man. I don't. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, but let's see, though. If you're doing the the metrics of bad, like he wasn't a cheater. And like he wasn't running around on the family. He was always there. He brought, he worked. He made money for the family. He was a miserable guy. But, but if you're ranking badness, I mean... How bad is he compared to, say, you know, Frank Gallagher, shameless, William H. Macy? That's a bad dad, right? We can all agree that's a terrible father. Nothing. Is there a single redeeming quality about Frank Gallagher? Did you watch Shameless? Yeah, I I was not a huge fan, but but yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. We're sort of getting into a category of this ambiguity. You know, because yeah. like another one that just immediately jumps to mind is Walter White, right? I, I, you know, he's kind of a he's kind of a real family a family business. I can relate to that. You know, I mean, well, here's the thing with Walter White. It's in the title of the show. In the beginning, he's got cancer. He's going to die. It seems like his motives are purely altruistic they're purely in support of his family wants to set his family up i don't it's not until he gets a taste of the power and sort of gets that bloodlust going so i would say that first half of the series good dad last season or two not so much you clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. 
All right, now here's one. All right, another one. I, I like this good, good, bad, the gray area. Let me do this one. What about Don Draper, Mad Men, John Hamm? I'm, I'm struggling to see what he did that was good. Well, he's so good looking. It's hard yeah. to think of him. He's such a good looking guy. I, I find it hard. <laughs> I don't want to put oh, him in the bad category. Oh, so, so the, I see. So good could be good looking. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, it's hard to vote against him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything that he did that was really good. No, I think you're probably right. I think he's, I, I think I come down pretty firmly in the bad for him. Pretty firmly in the bad <clears throat> yeah, category. I think so. Okay. Um, we've already established the Darth Vader. We're, we're, all right. Here's one. I think we can all agree. Jack Torrance, the shining. Yeah, I think he probably, I don't <laughs> think there's a whole lot of redeeming going on there. <laughs> I think we're there. Yeah. Uh, here's a uh, all right. I got two more though in the gray area. Two more. Homer Simpson, good dad, bad dad, somewhere in between. No, I think he's in that you know in between. Not quite George Bluth, but you know not quite Andy Griffith. No, no. Where do you, where do you put him? I like Homer Simpson as a dad. I mean, look, he's not, there are certain dads in TV movie dads that are just obviously good. Like the Steve Martin character in, in Parenthood was such a great dad that the guy uh, from uh, Roberto Benigni, Life is Beautiful. I mean, obviously that's a good dad, you know, but Homer, I'm going, yeah, on Homer. I think more good than bad. Okay. So you know what? You just made me think of Bob Belcher. Is that um 70 show no 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 um hamburger oh bob's uh, bob's burgers bob's, bob's burger okay yeah I, all right I mean, he's really he's really there i mean i okay I well then right in that what about uh, jack burns meet the parents robert de niro good dad he's a little you know he's obviously the antagonist of ben stiller but he is looking out for his daughter right he screwed up a lot of things you know there's a lot of things but good or bad jack burns Meet the parents. Uh, I, I think that the lie detector test puts him squarely in the good dad. Good dad. All right. And then, oh, I got, I got another bad one for you. I think we can, I think this one too. Uh, Royal Tenenbaum from the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. great, uh, oh my God, wait, who was, who played him? Ah, Gene Hackman. That's right. Gene Hackman. Nothing good about him as a father, right? Well, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he needed a place to live. That's why he came back in their lives. I mean, I'm going bad. I'm going bad there. Well, okay. So now, all right. Okay. What about Tony Soprano? Oh, man. All right. That is a very good one. (laughs) Bad man. He's bad man. Yeah. But there's no denying he loved, loved his children. Now, his parenting skills were certainly wanting, especially I think especially when it came to AJ, more yeah. so than Meadow. Stupid fucking moron. You realize what could have happened to you? We didn't have connections? Some cop goes by the book and they charge you with attempted murder. You hear me? Attempted murder, then what? Then what? No, he shot you! You're just gonna let him fucking get away with it? I told you that's my business, not yours! And what did you do? Nothing. Zero, a big fucking jerk off. Fuck you. Oh, you're going to break your fucking neck. Oh. I mean, 
going on the college tour. See, Laurie, there's that, a great example. He he took his daughter on a college tour, and yes, he did murder someone while on. <laughs> now that's like a that's real a, work. That might be the best one you brought up. There, that's the one where I go, oh man. Because here's the other thing. I know we live in a we're a little soft in the world we are, but who do you want is your dad when when shit comes down, something bad happens to you. Who you want? You want yeah. you know. Do you want? Uh, I mean, but also think about the work-life balance that guy had. Yeah, and screwing all the other women. There's a, you got to throw all that in there too. And his his, mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Tony mm. Soprano. Could be the of all the ones we've discussed. I think he's the one that's hardest to nail down for me because I do believe that the love was real for his children. His inability to express that love obviously dates back to his own relationship with his own mother, which is the central theme of the show, yep. really. Yep. So that, you know, that's a whole, we do, next Father's Day, we're coming back, Joe, and we're going to discuss, uh, we're going to discuss the, the sort of the, uh, the idea behind what's to be forgiven. Do we, can we forgive some of Tony Soprano's sins knowing his origin story, where he came from, the pain that he experienced, the what he learned, how he learned about parenting. And I, given everything that the guy went through, he didn't do that bad of a job. Although I did get them all killed probably in that diner at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's not <laughs> that, could, that could swing it the other way. No matter how good a dad you are, if your chosen profession leads to your family getting slaughtered in a diner, maybe you're yeah. not the best dad. Yeah. Well, we know that's not going to happen to you, Joe. You're, you're, uh, you have not, as far as I know, you're not involved in any. Can you go on record right now and say you are not part of the Newark Mafia? <laughs> Definitely not part of the Newark Breaking Mafia. news. We got it right here in case anybody was wondering if Barrel Craft Spirits <laughs> was, was built with mob money. Joe Beatrice is here right now. To tell us that did not happen. Is there anybody in the bourbon industry that has been built with mob money? And are you willing to call them out on this show right now? I never even thought of that. I have no idea. <laughs> wow. I hope not. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say any. Oh, well, of course, obviously. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. We'll beep that out. We'll beep that guy's name out. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't know anybody with mob money. I don't know. I know nothing. I know nothing. Omerta. Isn't that what it's called? Omerta Code of Omerta? I don't know anything. Well, listen, Joe, always love talking to you, my friend. And uh, you got some great, you got Father's Day coming. Seagrass, I think, is the one you're saying. Any of the gray label ones, get them for your father. They will not, because people ask me this. They really do, Joe. I get hit up all the time, especially if I do, when I do my Corolla segments. I get a lot of the Corolla fans coming. Oh, and Barrel really is one. I say, if you want a prestige whiskey gift, this is the one because they can either drink it or collect it. And Joe's going to say right now, I already know where your brain's going. Buy one to drink, buy one to collect. Right? That's right. that's that's how it goes. Absolutely. You should. Have, uh, there's something cool about looking at your collection and just seeing a bunch of the bottles lined up and going, "Yep, I got them." Uh, so Thank I recommend you. that. Go to BarrelCraftSpirits.com. Is that it? Yeah. 
That's the website? Or Barrel Bourbon, they both go there. Anyway, Joe, uh, always great to catch up. And you mentioned these new expressions coming down the pike uh, in 2023. I am certain we will be talking again probably towards the end of the summer in the fall and we'll get into some real hardcore whiskey tasting with you with some of the new stuff you got coming along I'm, i can't wait to try it yeah that sounds good and we'll see I, you're probably in kentucky in september maybe we'll catch up maybe i'll get back there a little bourbon and beyond possibly yeah we the kentucky bourbon festival that's that's or that any one of them cool. yeah yeah i hope okay. to be there my friend great to see you good to see you thanks hello There are many ways to use the Bartles and James Premium Wine Cooler. One lady in Massachusetts even uses it to make bread. Well, Ed suggests an even better idea is to use it as a topping. For example, as a topping for ice. This is quick and easy to do and will not only improve the flavor of ice considerably, but will make it more attractive as well. So if you're tired of having your ice just plain, add some Bartles and James. We hope you appreciate this suggestion and thank you for your support. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank Joe Beatrice being on the show. Love that guy. Always a lot of fun having Joe on here. And of course, I want to thank you, my friends. Got a lot of options, tons of options out there. And you choose to spend time with me on what we're drinking. And to thank you for that, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with a joke. Okay, here we go. How can you tell if someone Amish is an alcoholic. They keep falling off the wagon. Oh boy, all right, how about this? What did the man with a slab of asphalt under his arm order in the bar? A beer, please, and one for the road. Okay, last one, last one. What do elephants drink on vacation? Peanut coladas. That's awful. I apologize, and I gotta go. If you like pina coladas, 